2: Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Filmography is back, and just in time for Halloween season, we're taking a deep dive into the master of horror, John Carpenter. Starting September 27th, host Dominic Suzanne Mayer and a rotating panel of guests will break down each of Carpenter's 20 feature-length movies to date with new episodes every Thursday. Grab your synthesizer, your flares, and your best Shatner mask, and come along on this latest journey with us. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Wherever you're listening from today, hit that subscribe button, whether you're checking us out on YouTube or or a podcast, or hey, we're on Spotify now. So you can also hit follow on there. I'm Kyle O'Meara. Today, my guest, one of my all-time favorites, a living legend, Mr. Elvis Costello. He's got a brand new record called Look Now. We're going to be talking about how uh, it teams him back up with Burt Bacharach, how some of these songs was actually meant to be a part of a stage show. How it became a vocal record. We'll also talk about some of the songs on the record, like uh, Dishonor the Stars and Under Lime, which brings back a familiar Costello character. It's Kyle Meredith with Elvis Costello. Hi, Elvis. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so excited to be talking to you about this new record. Look, now it's really great to have, uh, have a new album from you. I was going to reach out anyway about wanting to talk about uh, Painted From Memory, one of my all-time favorite year records, 20 years old, and, and I was excited to hear that there's sort of a thread that ties these two together, right?
1: Well, uh, there is in the sense that uh, uh, a few of the songs that we ended up considering for this record, or quite a few that we ended up considering, were originally composed for uh, a proposed stage musical based on Painted From Memory. And um, I, I, I think... Um, but and I have worked sort of kind of secretly on a, on a number of things. We, we've written maybe, I don't know, maybe it's 25 songs or so uh, over the last 10 or 12 years. Um, certainly uh, a, a good number that are, are really complete, you know, and uh, many, many, many very good songs that are still to be heard. But uh, I, I started to realise that over the last two or three years that, you know, musical theatre has a lot, you know, has a, occasionally has evolutions or revolutions, but uh, I don't think any of them involve an entire evening of very melancholy, intense <laughs> ballads in slow tempo. You know, there's not a lot of tap dancing called for or impended from memory, or any of the songs that we wrote subsequently to... Um, to, to work in the story that was conceived to, to set these tunes so I just, I said to Bert, you know it's, we're waiting too long to hit, for these songs to be heard, I want people to know them and maybe something will come of that and maybe we can bring a few more of these songs out of, it, out of the shadows, you know because I've got a lot of songs that are waiting to be heard and this is, you know, I sense the moment was right for the imposters to, to make a record of this kind of scope where, they, where everything that they can do can be heard I knew they would serve these songs really well, but there wasn't one record where everything that this band can do is present. You know, there are songs that lean on the more aggressive side of the, of, of the band. And there are concerts where we have used chance to come up with the, with the, with the next song we, we, we play. But this is a, let's, let's go into the studio where we really know what we want to do. And, um, and many of our adventures have involved going somewhere where that was a part of the story. You know, when we got to work with Alan Tucson, Mark, we were responding to something that was happening in the moment. And we and it was an incredible experience to work with him. But this is the first time that we've set out to make, to take the best songs that I had at my disposal and make something of them. And this is what you end up with.
2: I, I read a quote from you that said, I, I think you you were talking about Look Now, where you said you had all the orchestrations and vocal parts in your head. Uh, or the page before you even played a notes. Is that what you were talking about uh, sort of a bit there as well?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, Pete and Davey would rehearse around at Sebastian's, play some workout. they they play along with my demos just to show, like, like, the best way to kind of move these songs on. And, and then we talk about it. And I said, Pete, you know, you don't need to play a fill like that going there because, you know, something else is going to do that lift. There's going to be, like, a horn section plan in that space or Steve is going to play something there. Or I've, I've got the string arrangement or a vocal idea. So you don't need to punctuate there. Just keep the rhythm going. And Davey and I talked about how we combine our voices with Kitten and Corolla and uh, Brianna Lee. knew They were going to sing on the record with us. And then I said, well, some of them need to be, like, three guys singing. So they passed. Tommy, his brother, to come in and sing with us, and that was another sound. And then a couple of songs I decided I was going to track my own voice because that's a different sounding. And so you kind of cast it, you know, you kind of... I suppose what I'm saying is we, we sort of talked between ourselves a bit more before we started playing, so we weren't talking while we were playing. Mm-hmm. We were just feeling and letting go and performing the songs in the studio. Then it, it didn't... It, we actually recorded it very quickly because we already knew what we were trying to do, and then we just got a good performance.
2: It it really allows you vocally to to do those crooner I don't know if crooner is the right word but but you know those those soaring old time style of vocal parts on, on this record I mean uh, where does that come from for you for you and and, and for this record that th- those specific styles uh, that we're talking about here
1: I, I think the way Sebastian recorded my voice really allowed me a, a lot of control yeah you know, I didn't have to push tremendously hard. To, to sing with a lot of edge because the arrangements were de- were designed to, for a vocal record. You know, I made the space for the voice. I mean, the one big difference is there's no big electric loud electric guitar in the foreground, which, which really competes with the voice. When you do that, it tends to throw your voice into the need to put a lot of edge into it to cut, cut through. With the way I was recorded, uh, I was able to kind of hear myself and maybe sing with a little bit more tenderness, you know, because that seemed appropriate for the subjects we were singing about. I didn't need to be yelling that wasn't that didn't make it more true to be yelling about it. I used force where I needed, but it there was more control of the dynamic because of the way we arranged it the way Sebastian recorded it. There's no doubt about that. I think it's pretty good sounding, you know? Oh, it's great. I think it's beautiful
2: sounding. And, and yeah. uh, take, take a song like Under Lime, which, you know, finds um, a continuation of a story, from what I understand. Jimmy from, you know, the National Ransom um, album. And if that's the case, what's, you know, could we expect more from something like this? Is this something in itself that could find its way onto a, a screen or a stage or something like that? Or is he stuck in the songs?
1: I I, I always, I've always been looking for threads and songs and sometimes I've thought that maybe you circle back over the years and you might pick up, you might write a song that's sort of about the same thing but what you understand about it now. It's a short step from that way of thinking to actually picking up the story of a specific character as I've done here and imagining in 20 years later and, and even more kind of beaten down and maybe a little more desperate and a little more dangerous and, and, and see the idealism of a young woman who's put, who's given charge of him in this moment He he's an old vaudeville singer who's mostly forgotten and now he finds himself that was how I left him in the song Jimmy Standing in the Rain, literally standing in the rain with his suitcase on his way to another gig and another kind of you know, loveless assignation with a woman that doesn't remember his name and now it's 20 years later and he's an alcoholic and he's been dredged up from the depths of showbiz infamy to be brought onto a panel show where they're going to blindfold the guests and see if anybody can guess his identity. And then he's backstage with in, with a young production assistant who's maybe a little bit too idealistic about this romantic figure from the past. And, of course, it brings her close to danger because he starts to flatter her and ask her about her boyfriend and her family. And, you know, you can see over the course of the song it, this is probably a snare as it's described in the song that he's a trap that he's set before, and the whole song is just about the 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 implication of this brief exchange. Nothing really happens there's no crime committed, but it's the implication of a crime, and uh the suggestion uh, uh, that he's wrestling with a with a bad impulse you know well it's it's that's where I left him i don't I have no idea whether I have no idea whether whether you pick him up sometime later or whatever it is i don't know i, I don't I didn't imagine this song when I wrote Jimmy Standing in the Rain. This one is a song which I think is is it uses music in a similar way. I mean, the, the music of, between the two songs is very different. Jimmy is very much a piece of period music. It sounds like the period that the song takes place in. I used instruments that were found at that time, the way the rhythm is, is played. This one isn't so much period music, but it does use music as a picture painting device. I mean the instrumental refrain that it takes the place of a chorus is sort of like the theme tune of a song that they're on. You know, it's a jolly tune that you wouldn't expect in a in a in a a, a slightly sinister tale like this. But that's the way things happen. Yeah. You know, they're all smiling out front, and meanwhile something quite nefarious is going on. <laughs>
2: That's one of the lots of reasons why we've been such big fans for so long. Uh, congratulations on Look Now! It really is just a fantastic record, and there's so many good moments of it. And I'll point out how fun Unwanted Number is, and uh, how drawn I am to Dishonor the Stars. It really is fantastic to hear this.
1: Oh, thank you. And, I, and nobody's mentioned that song. I, I mean, a couple of people suggested that should open the, the, the record. I think it would maybe be a little shocking as an opener. It's a, it's a love song, and I, and I think that it that it. Um, it's a very unusual structured song. A bit like, it's, it's funny you should mention, uh, Underline, is that I, I suppose one thing about writing songs for a while is you don't get so routine about the way they're structured. I mean, I'm aware of the fact that for some people, Underline, that having three musical subjects is a bit unusual. And dishonorable of Stars is similar in that it, it sort of starts, uh, it opens big and then gets more intimate as it goes on because it goes within the singer. It, you know, the, the, the lyrics go, go within, not outward. So the music should go with it, and, and you know, it's sometimes it's a little. It, you know, you you take a risk that people won't follow you where you're going with the song. And so I, I I'm glad that you like that one. I mean, I think it's a beautiful tune, and uh, the band played with such. You know, they really went with me with the way I was I was phrasing and everything, both vocally and in the unusual uh, meter. Uh, the way the song breaks down in the middle, you know, is is not very. Uh, it's not it's not by any means predictable.
2: Well I can't wait to hear it all live. Elvis, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me about all this today. I, I appreciate it.
1: Okay. Uh-huh. You take care. I'll look forward to being in Louisville and give Bridget my best. All uh, right. Absolutely. Bye. Now.
2: Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, big thank you to Mr. Elvis Costello. Again, the new record is called Look Now and it is now available. If you haven't already, please do hit that subscribe button to keep up with all of the interviews that we do here uh, multiple times a week. Uh, whether you're checking us out again on YouTube or uh, or the podcast version of uh, iTunes, Podchaser, wherever you get your podcast from. Or if you're listening on Spotify, you can hit the uh, follow button on there as well. Uh, after that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. where We can also find some bonus episodes of this series. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time, Consequence Podcast Network.